0: You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team
1: every day.
0: Rams Nation, what's going on? As always, it's your boy Sosa Cremendez, a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I'm going to be watching Jared Goff lead the Los Angeles Rams back into the playoffs after a down season in 2019. And you guys know that Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it pepsi made for football watching as i mentioned to you guys yesterday i got a special guest with me here on tuesday's episode of this locked on rams podcast a former nfl player a st louis yep that's right st louis slash los angeles rams legend a former new england patriot philadelphia eagle two-time super bowl champion walter payton man of the year award winner Uh, former second overall draft pick of the Rams all the way back in 2008, Mr. Chris Long, AKA white thunder. For those that don't know, he racked up 70 career sacks in his career, uh, 54 and a half of which came with the Rams. So my man, Chris, thank you for taking the time. How are you doing boss?
1: Dude, good talking to you, man. I've known you a long time on Twitter. Never, uh. Never spoken with you, so it's a uh, good connecting.
0: Absolutely, it's uh, it's an honor to get a Rams legend on here. I know the listeners are going to enjoy this episode. Um, and for those that don't know, Chris actually has a podcast himself. It is called the Green Light Podcast with Chris Long. So make sure to check that out. Um, uh, and that's kind of what sparked my idea here because I remember when you just started the podcast and started dropping episodes, you had some funny stories, man. You had some really dope guests. You still do. Um, but I remember one of the first few episodes, you obviously had former teammate and a guy who's, I mean, well on his way to being a hall of famer in Aaron Donald. Uh, And you're talking about a really funny story that I I just need you to share here for those that didn't hear it. Um, Basically what happened was, uh, I'll I'll just kind of jog your memory if you don't uh, remember properly, but I guess it was probably an offensive lineman that did something dirty to Donald in uh, like training camp or whatever. And AD was not having it. I mean, he wasn't all too pleased and so he did something funny with the dude's face mask if that jogs your memory why don't you take it from here
1: yeah well i've seen first off aaron donald one of my all-time favorites not just because of the way he is on the field but what he does off the field like when he was a rookie i always tell this story you know i was constantly in the building late in training camp you know watching film because uh, the alternative was just go to the hotel and sit around and be bored and um Training camps where you're like, man, I can get get in a lot of my, you know, extra individual work. Figure out like some blind spots in my game. I can ex- improve, et cetera. So I'd go into the film room late at night, and we only had one. We had a little. This was like pre LA Rams, so I'm sure they have really nice facilities now. But we had just a little D line room with one with one little computer. And so I walked in uh, the third night of camp at 8.39 at night. I'm the only person left in the building and sitting there in the chair is Aaron Donald. And you never want to run a rookie off uh, film because, you know, if a young guy wants to watch film, uh, more power to him. That's a that's a really good uh, quality to have as a young player in the NFL. And I figured, all right, man, you know, like, hey, you got it. He was like, I'll get up. I was like, no, you got it, man. Like, hey, you know, study up, whatever. Uh, See you in the morning. I kept coming back every night thinking my my chair would be open <laughs> night after night. Aaron's in there. I'm, I buried the times, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 7 o'clock. He'd be the only guy in the building. Um, and so when you pair that intensity, that violence that he plays with, the hand speed, the leverage mixed with the length that he has with his arms, he's really a perfect football player. And uh, and I just appreciate the fact that he has never sold out on his craft. He has always, and I watch him now, is like when he showed up to camp out of pit, he was a guy that not everybody in the building wanted. Uh, there was some chatter about him being real good, but it, that had to be maybe Jeff Fisher uh, on, a, on a Jeff Fisher team, the best draft pick he ever had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they did a hell of a job going to get him. I mentioned the violence; he is a an angry football player, sweet dude, man, but you just don't want to cross him on the field. And there were times that I saw him absolutely just ragdoll dudes by by the helmet. You know, like you say in a football fight; if you can control the head, you know. Um, you, you got whoever it is you're tussling with, but Aaron would go straight for the face mask, and it was like it was like uh, a lion got a hold of a small animal, and <laughs> he was making 285 pound, 300 pound dudes look like this if you ever tussle with him, which is why they kid for them for the giants either was really brave or had a death wish earlier this season. And evidently after I left, they tell a story about how Aaron Donald got in a fight with the guy and went to grab his face mask to yank down. And instead of of just ragdolling him by the face mask, the face mask came off the helmet. I have never heard this in any other situation in football, any level. He rips the face mask off the guy. The guy's looking like uh, one of these, like George Blanda or something, or one of these like 1930s football players, (laughs) just the helmet. And Aaron proceeds to beat him up with the face mask. (laughs) Now, this is what I heard about Aaron Donald uh, after I left and I don't even need to hear it from a third or a fourth source. My D line or our D line back in the day, we have a group chat that, that uh, everybody kind of uh, confirmed it, but, I believe it wholeheartedly that dude is he plays football with a rare violence and uh you don't want to cross him on the field
0: man that's so funny i I shouldn't have asked that right now because i'm losing my composure just thinking about that uh sammy ball type leather helmet or something on his head Uh, (laughs) i guess it's no surprise i mean that the guy's as special as he is right You, you like you mentioned you pair the natural gifts with uh the work ethic and and you get as many Pro Bowls as he has and what's going to be arguably one of the best defensive players of all time. Which and is he's a crazy. good person. You know,
1: he's a likable superstar. I know I'm telling football fight stories. And for a lot of people that are listening out there, they're like, well, that's not good person stuff. Like football fights, so that's a part of the game, man. Right. Yeah. Um, I remember when we came to play, we practiced against the Cowboys right there in, um, what was it, uh, Thousand Oaks or something. We stayed. This was before the team moved. So we did the joint practice. And if you remember, we got in that big fight with the Cowboys on the field.
0: Yeah, I recall. And uh,
1: I got a few messages from fans that I knew. It was like, that was disappointing. I'm out on you guys. That was so – it's football. Um, you, you know, joint practices, that's why they don't, they don't do them so much. You know, you would do them nonstop if guys knew how to respect each other's tempo and things didn't heat up. That's just part of the game. Aaron Donald's a great dude. And uh, I, I said this the other day. Of all of our big superstars in all of our great sports that we have in this country – I, I would put throw his name in that in the hat as far as uh, the most likable superstar um, because he is truly a genuine guy. What you see is what you get.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that's pretty well put. I mean, I I can't think of a single person that has a gripe with the guy, and obviously that's a good thing off the field. But um, coming up in just a moment, Chris and I are going to travel back in time to talk about his time with the Rams back in the day after he was drafted, as well as his tenure with the franchise. And don't forget to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP, and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch. I'm going to be watching Jared Goff lead the Los Angeles Rams back into the playoffs after a down season in 2019. And you guys know that Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. Welcome back to the second segment of this special episode of the Locked on Rams podcast, the Tuesday edition. Make sure you guys check back in with us on Wednesday when former host Brad Motter joins me to dissect the week 13 contest between the Los Angeles Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, as well as when we flip the page to the Rams contest against the New England Patriots in week 14 on Thursday Night Football. Uh, I guess we'll talk about taking it back to the day, man. I don't know if you can recall all the way back in 2008, like I mentioned, you were a second overall pick. So obviously the Rams were not very good at the time uh, when they drafted you, but do you kind of remember what it was like getting drafted to the team? Did you know anything about St. Louis or the franchise or even some of the players on the roster?
1: It was funny. I didn't know. I mean, like I I watched the Rams and I can remember very vividly my senior year as things were were turning for me. And, um, you know, my junior year, I had considered coming out because they gave me a bottom of the first round grade. I wanted to prove upon that because I thought I could and I didn't want to leave. So I stayed my senior year, which is kind of a risk. And as there's momentum building for me to be a top five pick, I remember very vividly on my big TV in our apartment there. uh, And this was back in the day where the TVs were really big TVs, big TVs were like 400 pounds and you had to like figure out how you're going to roll it out of the house. You know, they're like, not the flat screens. Uh, I was watching Cowboys-Rams. Now, I don't know what the final of that game was, but I just remember thinking to myself, holy shit, the Rams are bad. And I go, wonder if I end up on a team like that. And uh, next thing you know, like the next year, Miami's picking one, the Rams are picking two. I believe the Falcons are maybe picking three or maybe it was Kansas City three, Falcons four. uh, Who was five? The Jets were five and the Patriots were six. So I knew I was in that range. Um, And I remember thinking man, being the number one pick would be cool, but golly, I mean, that's a lot of pressure um, to be just like the number one pick. It's enough pressure to be number two. I'm good with whatever happens. I'm not one of these people I I looked at it more as a, a right of like, you know, this is the beginning of the next challenge. It's not an accomplishment. So I never felt like when I walked across that stage that I had accomplished anything. Um, I, I truly didn't. I, I thought of it as a challenge and because I'd seen you know, how hard it is to be a top pick in a league. in some of these situations you walk into, I knew I had to buckle my chin strap and it was going to be tough. And, you know, it wasn't going to be easy to do numbers on a bad team and that sort of thing. And the ownership was changing hands. It was really dysfunctional. Um, I was surrounded by really cynical vets that really became, you know, big brothers to me, but mm-hmm. that kind of schooled me on what, this was the old NFL. These were guys that played, you know, I had two a days we had, the old camps. We I, I play with guys that, that played in like an altogether different era. If you came in the league in 2008 or so, you were in this, you were kind of in this weird spot where the old NFL was being ushered out and the new NFL was coming in. Like when I came in in 08, uh, we had probably 15 guys over 30 years old, at least. I don't know do that. Just in the D-line room, you know, Leonard Little, uh, mm-hmm. James Hall, Leroy Glover, like good vets were not hard to come by. As I got older in St. Louis and then I turned 30, 31 before they cut me, I had the closest parking spot to the building, which means I was the oldest guy. So things changed, right? Just in eight years, the way the vet contracts were set up and that sort of thing, like things change. And when you walk into a bad locker room, well, not a bad locker room, a bad team like that, there's going to be a ton of formerly great players that are on their way out, right? Grabbing that last paycheck. There's going to be a bunch of guys that are like, man, this, this, this shit sucks, Rook. Yeah. You- you better, you, you better be realistic about this thing. Um, mm-hmm. luckily I had a pretty realistic attitude coming in. Lenehan got fired right away. Uh, Hazlitt believed in me, but he didn't stay around. And then my second year Spags comes in and me and Spags are really tight now, but Spags didn't really like me when he got there. So, you know, I felt like the whole first year and a half was just nuts. And that's what high draft picks go through. It's just the reality of it. I mean, heavy as the head that, you know, that wears the crown and goes early and I was compensated for it. But you know your chances of success. While you're going to have a longer leash, you know, like if you get drafted at the bottom of the first round, you're on a winning team, so your performance is probably they're going to maximize your performance right away. Right? You want to, you know, you're, you're swimming a little bit on a team like that, unless you're just really special, which I'm not really special.
0: Yeah, I, I'm glad actually that you mentioned that because I was going to ask you like, how did you manage to uh, just go from a player trying to transition and get yeah. used to the NFL in your first two years to kind of immediately just turning it on and becoming a Pro Bowl talent. Was it anything in specific or was it just kind of getting used to the speed of the game like you know all the former players say?
1: Yeah, it's funny. It is speed of the game, but it's also just like there were so many things that made that first year and a half tough. Um, confidence level is a tough thing when your team's getting beat to shit and everybody just looks at that sack number, um, which of course you need leads and coverage to, <laughs> to, to, uh, to rack those sacks up um we didn't have really either right you know that's what happens when you're on a bad team so that's why when a young defensive end comes in and just lights it up right away like a josh allen in in jacksonville Mm -hmm. um, that really impresses me right i mean that's just he's just pro ready and he's he's good and now of course josh allen walked into a better defensive situation than some guys but you know i don't know how chase young's doing this year he's got a great d-line around him but you know, a lot of people were like, oh, he's going to have 10 sacks. It's, you know, he's, he's the next Julius Peppers. Like, he may be, but it's really hard to come out of the gate and do mm-hmm. numbers as a young D lineman. So um, that was something I had to be realistic about. You always try to you try to get buckets every Sunday, but it's just there's certain situations that are going to be hard. And to be honest, it's also hard because one of my best friends now is James Hall. I mean, we, we're like brothers, man. We climbed Kilimanjaro for Waterboys and that sort of thing. He was one of those vets I told you about. They gave me his position like right off the bat and he was better than me. He was, he was totally better than me. He's a 60 sack career guy played in Detroit. So nobody gave a shit, but he was a great football player. And here's this young kid from Virginia. We didn't talk for the whole year because he was like, just pissed off that I took his job and I didn't deserve it. So there's a lot of things that are going on that can mess with your head. And I told this story earlier today was the kid Furl in, uh in Las Vegas, the Clemson Mm -hmm. kid. You know he. People are using that B word, bust, right? People are starting to throw that around. And he. And, and listen, he he may still wait. Well, have a really good career and that sort of thing. And really, I think the bust thing is more of an indictment on whoever's picking, not who the player is, because the player is just doing the best the player can do. Right. The kid in Vegas, I think he had his first two sacks of the season yesterday, and they've been rushing him inside. And you know, Max Crosby's been going off. My first year, I had a pretty solid year. My second year, the first half of that season was the longest uh, two, three months of my life. Like, I didn't get a single bucket for eight games, dude. Zero sacks. Your number two pick, you had a solid first year, showed some promise, sitting out there with a goose egg, walking into week nine. And I can remember um, playing Detroit in Detroit and uh, vividly, I, I was rushing on the right and I sucked as a right end. And I'm just getting my ass blocked by Jeff Backus, uh, <laughs> who's this really solid vet, played a long time in, uh, in Detroit. And I'm running the hoop, like, I, you know, 12, 13 yards, terrible rush. Cliff Ryan, who's a dear friend of mine, misses a sack. And I always t- tell him, thank you for that, because I cleaned up the trash and it totally got the monkey off my back. And mm-hmm. then I had five the second half of the season and then 40 over the next four years. So, uh, you know, it's hard. I went from if you Google my name, you know, they, they, somebody say bus next to it, but also like, you know, to, to somebody who's like a captain and, and a premier rusher. So I, I, I experienced both and uh, and I know it's a lot of pressure, um, but, you know, I'd say, and some people might still say I was overdrafted. I think I was probably overdrafted. I think I was probably a middle of the first round guy. I had a first round career, but to have a top five career, you have to understand that like there are very few players that are going to thrive like no matter the circumstance. And I'm not like I'm not one of those players, you know, I never was. I was a guy who was going to be productive no matter the circumstance, consistent, that sort of thing. But if I was on a terrible team, you can't expect me to go get 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, but I'm not Julius Peppers, you know. So, that's the guy you you obviously want in the top 5. I wasn't that dude. But I'm very proud of my career. And I'm very proud that, you know, I had 60 over five years in St. Louis. I'd say they they felt like they got a lot out of the contract. And it, it helped me grow. Out of that class, it was probably me and Cliff Averill, the two best edge guys. We both mm-hmm. had over 70. We both could have probably played longer and chased bigger numbers. But Cliff hurt his neck, and I just got tired of the shit. And Calais was really the probably the guy who should have gone too. But if you look at that draft, again, you had like Vernon Golston, <laughs> Cedric right. Ellis, Keith Rivers, like all those guys are top 10 picks. Glenn Dorsey. So it wasn't like a talent-rich draft uh, on the defensive front or in the front seven for that matter.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I feel like the Rams were more than happy with what you put out there. Coming up when we return, Chris and I are going to dive into the final few questions we have for today, talking about the Rams of today and how he would defend Sean McVay's offense as well as what the NFC West standings look like according to Chris himself. And make sure to check back on Wednesday when we have former host Brad Motter join me to discuss the Week 13 contest between the Rams and the Cardinals as well as the preview of the matchup between the Rams and the Patriots on Thursday Night Football in Week 14. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take with you anywhere as the gel packages come in 1.5-ounce packages. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market as it provides 5 hours of energy without that same crash feeling Plus, it's natural, so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. There are three delicious flavors, with the chocolate coconut being my favorite. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein and is loaded with many great ingredients like beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, B6, and many more. It helps me get through my rigorous days that are loaded with work and working out, and I'm certain that it's going to help you guys too. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. The wait is almost over. The 2020-2021 NBA season is almost here and the Locked On NBA podcast will get you ready with a special week of shows beginning December 14th. Get previews of every team, division by division, from all 30 of our locked on local experts, including us, plus waiver wire editions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball, rookies to watch from Chad Ford, and predictions on each division from Rejecting the Screen. Subscribe to Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts. Um, And kind of going like later into your career there. The Rams obviously paired you with another special talent in Rob Quinn, like I mentioned, really? one happy Black Thunder and White Lightning duo. Would you guys ever feel like, you know, going into a certain game and I'm kind of looking at the Cardinals here, no offense to the Cardinals back in the day when they had uh, Kevin Colbert, quarterback, yeah. were you guys kind of going to those games thinking like, man, these tackles are no good. This is our chance to kind of run it up here. Or was it, you know, kind of like that media speak
1: of like, oh, these guys are NFL players. They're great. No, I mean, that's a real thing because – there's always a conversation going on in like the corners of buildings, like D-line rooms about like Mm -hmm. numbers, sacks, right? Because that's how we put food on our table. So, you know, I can play great. And if I have five, six sacks on a season and I'm that, that guy, you know, like, and I'm making 10 mil a year, people are going to look at me sideways. I could play shitty and have 10, 11 sacks. And at the end of the day, you want to play well. Right. But, Mm That's all people look at. So, like, to keep the heat off, you've always got to get those numbers. And, you know, you you want to have a big day as a D-line. You want to help the team win. And there were games that we circled on the schedule at times because those lines were really bad. A lot of times it would be like, you know, watching to see if this tackle's hurt if you get the backup, right? Which Mm -hmm. can be tough, though, too, because if you have no tape on a guy, it can be a little weird, right? Like, so you could have a 7 out of 10 starter at right tackle. I'd rather see the seven out of 10 that I know than the five out of 10 that's got some weird set. And I got to kind of get in the rhythm of rushing during a game. Um, another thing is a lot of times you might, you might be careful what you wish for because they might, if things are bad enough, move a guard out to tackle guards have really weird sets. So like, it's not all it's cracked up to be, you know what I mean? One of the best, most annoying tackles I ever, I ever seen, you know, make that switch was Marshall Yonda, of course, he's the hall of famer, but Mm-hmm. He was so unorthodox when he went out and played tackle. The guys played him and were like, this is just – it's just bizarre. Right. Um, now, as far as an entire offensive line, you might be surprised to hear that. Rushers, and we had a lot of them, like those D-lines, man, they were stacked. Okay, it wasn't just Robert Quinn. It mm-hmm. wasn't just me. It was William Hayes. It was Aaron Donald. It was – well, obviously, Aaron Donald comes before any of us. But, but it, was, it, was, uh, it was Kendall Langford, Eugene Sims, really just a badass group. So we love doing numbers, but what we looked at was the quarterback we were going to play. Like when we played the Seahawks, we always got buckets against the Seahawks. I mean, yeah. Russell Wilson made me a lot of money because, <laughs> because Russell Wilson was a guy who would take chances, right? So yeah. you could be playing a terrible O-line a lot of times. Um, the quarterback is going it's going to be in the game plan to take less chances, right? Get the ball out. And you know, at the end of the game, you you're, you're, you don't have a sack. And the whole issue was they're getting the ball out in two seconds because they're scared to death. And you might be whipping the tackle, but nobody notices. So right. I think the big thing is looking at the quarterback you play. What's that quarterback shot clock like? You used to want to play Big Ben. The trade off was he was going to hold the ball. The trade off was he's as big as me, right? So mm-hmm. the same thing with Cam Newton. So you you it's a it's it's a risk reward there. Um, but now. As, as we're speaking right now, he's on TV and he's got the ball out one of the quickest snap to release times in the league this year because they've made that a priority. So it just depends on the quarterback, I think, more than even the O-line.
0: Oh, that's very interesting to say. Uh, I guess, uh, you know, guys that have longer internal clocks kind of give you more opportunities for sacks and, and pressures and stuff. Um, Look
1: at Carson. Look at Carson right now. So it's like, so, you know, I've been talking a lot about Carson and the Eagles and that sort of thing, but like Carson... His snap to release is really long right now and yeah the o-line is terrible and Carson's just got benched but like there's also a lot of plays that Carson's just holding the ball too long. So I would like I would love to play the Eagles right now. That would be one that you would just circle, right? Mm-hmm. Even if the o-line was marginally or like moderately better because you know Carson is in this bind right now where he's not seeing things.
0: Anyway. Right. Uh, this is random, but it's a funny story. Uh I ended up getting a number seventy two Chris Long jersey way back when and right that off season you changed to ninety-one. So was there anything that kind of inspired that or was that just like swag inspired? I kinda wanted to look a little more
1: uh swaggy on that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when I got seventy two, like there weren't many good numbers available um mm-hmm. when I got there and I was ninety one in college, so um that was like I never really – I was 55 in high school. I always thought that was a cool-ass number, but they don't really let people wear that as like a defensive end. Now I'm seeing like Bradley Chubb has it, Z'Darriott mm-hmm. Smith. So, like I guess I came in at the wrong time. Um, right. I got in 56 right when I got to Philly because I think 50s make you look faster depending on the number you pick. But I could <laughs> use that. So when I got in the league, I had 72. I was like, God, this is kind of ugly. But sometimes it looked all right. The problem was like you look at an OCU and you're and he just makes everything look so cool. Um, yeah. As soon as Leonard Little retired, I put in to change my number. But Spags wanted Leonard to come back, even though Leonard like was my boy. And Leonard was like, "I'm done for real, dude. Like, take the number." Mm-hmm. And Spags was like, "No." And I think it was wishful thinking because he didn't really like me that much. He was like, "Maybe Leonard Little will come back this year. Like, let's not let you change his number just yet. Give him the respect of of you know a year out of the game." And I said, "That's I totally get that, Spags." And so no. I waited until I guess my fourth year but I, it's, it's a throwback. It's fun. When I see somebody with a 72 jersey, I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a real OG St. Louis Rams fan.
0: <laughs> I actually tweeted it to you about a decade ago. You retweeted it. It was a long time ago, but we'll, we'll kind of talk about things a little bit more relevant to today's uh, NFL and today's team and today's Rams, obviously. So as a former defensive end, and I specifically point that out because I feel like, you know, when you watch a Sean McVay offense, they're targeting the defensive ends, right? They're, A lot of the things they do with the jet sweeps, the jet motions, the misdirections, the bootlegs, things like that. They're kind of putting the players that were, you know, at your position, they're kind of putting those guys in a bind. So when you kind of watch that now, how are you, if you put yourself back in those shoes, like how are you defending that as a defensive end? And what's going through your mind kind of, you know, as a player on the edge with all these moving parts pre-snap?
1: Man, you know what? Like the trade-off today is, is a rusher um it's a passing league and that sort of thing and and the o-line play is maybe not as good as it once was um and you don't get pounded as much as you once did but uh there's a lot of window dressing and the ball's out quicker right like snap to release is just it's just way quicker than it used to be and i can remember playing in our division we played san francisco it was power it was counter it was anthony davis uh alex boone uh goodwin Uh, Mikey Potty and Staley and they were big ass kicking dudes and they (laughs) just put Delaney Walker you know and Vernon Davis and made a crease and ran power with Frank Gore like Mm -hmm. it was kind of unfair they even had a fullback like a big fullback who was a D lineman like that was playing football week to week and then if you played Seattle it was a different flavor it was the Tom Cable stuff it was like side to side but it was extremely physical now Mm -hmm. like I missed that. Like towards the end of my career, I think one of the things that I had a hard time adjusting to in the run game was like I was a good run player. I just was used to playing things that were coming right at me. And, right. you know, like as I got older and as the league changed, I started to notice now I got go to go sideline to sideline more. That's just not mm-hmm. my game anymore, not at 31, 32. So honestly, like it felt weirder playing the run late in my career than it did playing the pass. And um, a lot of it is because there's so much shift. There's so much motion. Every team does it. You should be doing it. Um, you talk about like Tampa right now. They're in a bind because, you know, people are saying there's not enough motion. Tom likes to do his work before the snap, that sort of thing. You look mm-hmm. at everything you guys do in L.A. Um, you look at you look at a lot of these young kind of boy wonder coaches like that's what it is. And there's a reason. There's identifiers for sure. But for a defensive end, I can just tell you that is extremely distracting. When you send a guy a motion, an edge mm-hmm. player, it is extremely distracting to constantly have a threat as you're trying to get off the ball and be physical and play a base block or rush, you know, that little blink of an eye where you're like, is Robert Woods getting the ball on a jet sweep? You know, um, what are they doing here? Do I have to worry about reverse? Now one of the common misconceptions is I get into with the Eagles fans all the time. when they're like, "That defensive end loss, contain on reverse. Most mm-hmm. defenses, defensive ends are not the reverse player. They're supposed to help inside half and run it down from, you know, and somebody from the second level, I don't know who it is. Depends on the defense needs mm-hmm. to pull it up. Right. Because you can't ask a defensive end to play reverse, to force a reverse, I should say, and, you know, uh, play the cutback. And that's one of the biggest binds that, you know, playing the Rams is you got to tighten down because you guys are so sideline to sideline, right? You got to tighten down. I can't have any false steps. Because if the ball cuts back off the, the right tackle's ass and I'm the left end and I was busy with the reverse or I had a false step stepping up the field to try to get a freebie on a, on a jet sweep or I'm just distracted, you know, back when you guys had Todd Gurley, that cutback run would go for 50, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they've still done a good job with it. I think one of the, most, the, the toughest things about playing the Rams is that it's so sideline to sideline. And it seems like whoever they put back there in the backfield, it's kind of interchangeable. Would Mm -hmm. I be wrong in saying that? I feel like they've done a nice job of adjusting. And another thing is, like, you guys lost Roger Saffel. I thought that was a big loss. And I thought Mm -hmm. people didn't understand that he was probably the straw that stirred the drink in the run game. And, um, you know, when you run that sideline-to-sideline zone scheme, I think it's counterintuitive. If you can get push on a guard – you Disrupt the whole thing, right? Um, so it's a like a perimeter run with a cutback option. But like, if you can blow the guard up and you have and, and and your guard, if your guard plays really good, you're gonna be set. Um, and you lost, you lost Roger Saffold, you lose Todd Gurley. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is hurt. Um, they just John Sullivan retires at center, yeah. John Sullivan retired. Like, I've been impressed. And I was wrong before this year. Okay. Like some people are like, yeah, you don't like the Rams. You'll, you'll, you'll throw shade out. Like I could literally give a fuck less. Like, <laughs> like honestly, people, some people are like, you're salty. I'm like, if the Rams don't cut me, I don't win a Super Bowl. Like I don't mm-hmm. win Super Bowls. And also, like, I should have got cut. Like, I'm, I had lunch with Les Sneed or dinner. I had dinner and some beers with Les Sneed like last summer. Like, <laughs> I got no issue with the fucking Rams. I, I was wrong about them this year. I did not, I did not think. Um, that they would be able to snap back and be this competent. Yes, I said this on the pod today. They're showing me that they're a resilient football team. You say a lot of things about Jared Goff. I think he's a tough Mm -hmm. kid. And I'm not going to hold the investment in him against him. Uh, That offense, you know, it worries me a little bit that you could dry up one of these weekends that your defense is playing lights out ball. Um, But this was great. If you're a Rams fan, yesterday watching them beat the Cardinals, I mean, they have full custody over the Cardinals, right? They, McVay's never lost to them. Um, mm-hmm. You had Jared Goff get chin-checked in the media by, you know, people extrapolating McVay taking a shot at him or McVay kind of calling him out. He comes back. He plays well. He's efficient. Um, you get the touchdown early, the 59-yarder. Teams on the road could go in the tank after something like that. They lose, mm-hmm. you know you, – you lose the ball late in the game when you're trying to you're trying to win. You know, put that team away. There are multiple opportunities that the Rams have had to fold or to not play so well after the San Francisco game last week, which seems to be all's Achilles' heel. Like, and this team is resilient. They keep getting back up, which I really respect, and I'm surprised by that. And I do think they have the best defense in the league at this point. Um, they're right there with the team playing right now in Pittsburgh. Um, and I think what makes them great is that secondary now. Everybody looks at Aaron. Aaron's the best defensive football player in the league. Michael Brockers deserves credit too. What a one-two punch. But like that that defensive backfield that continues mm-hmm. to come in the form. Your coordinator, uh, Brandon, he's doing a great job, man. So, I mean, listen, they're a dangerous team. Uh, they're just such a matchup team. That's what I worry about. They're so variable depending on the matchup, I think, week to week. And I don't know who their worst and, and best matchups are. I'm going to look hard at that going into the playoffs but it feels like you might get two different teams depending on 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 who they're playing more so than the average team. And that's what worries me about them playing four playoff games and getting there because they're not going to have the bye.
0: Yeah, I think you pretty much summed it up real well there. That's what's confusing about the Rams right now is that one week, you know, they play the Niners or, or the Dolphins or whoever it may be, and they look terrible. And then the next week they come out and just completely look different and look like one of the better teams in the NFC. So, uh, that kind of is the perfect segue for the final question I got for you here. When you just kind of take a look at the NFC West, uh, how do you think that the division stacks up kind of heading into the final games here? Do you think there's any clear cut favorite in your opinion that, you know, you think you could take the NFC West here?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a bizarre division, right? Everybody's like a game apart, but, uh, they all feel to be like in di- different worlds, right? I mm-hmm. mean, Arizona, I'm counting them out. Okay. Um, Because Kyler doesn't look right physically to me. He hasn't looked right since the Seattle game. And uh, I think they're a year ahead. So this isn't a shot at them. I love Steve Kahn. I think they're doing Mm -hmm. a great job there. Love, love, love that program. But I just don't – I think this year it's going to be hard. Man, I got a lot of respect for the Niners, uh, but I called it – well, I, I don't want to, like, celebrate. They are just too banged up. You know, from the beginning of the season, they just – they weren't contenders. There's, It's really hard to come off of a year like they had last year. I liken a lot to the, the Philly Super Bowl that we were part of. You mm-hmm. know, to ascend that quickly. There's going to be a drop-off, right? The two teams to beat right now are, are your Rams and and uh, Seattle. And Seattle is the most – I mean, talk about two teams that are just unpredictable week to week, I really do think Seattle can beat anybody any given Sunday and they can lose to anybody any given Sunday. Having said that, I think it's going to come down to y'all's game. And I think the Seahawks win that game. Um, Just me being honest, but it's, it's impressive how deep that division is. It's, I mean, it reminds me in a different way of the depth of the NFC West back in the day when the Cardinals were good, Carson Palmer, you had Russ and Marshawn in Seattle You had San Francisco in the group I described, and you had us, who we would beat all of them and then watch them play in the Super Bowl. Uh, So I actually think that if Joe Burrow was still healthy, I I would probably take the AFC North to be the best division. But right now, you guys are the deepest division by far. But it's funny, the ceiling has kind of crept down as the year has gone on.
0: Yeah, I think the NFC West is really weird in terms of the Rams have the Cardinals number. The Seahawks have the 49ers number. The 49ers have the Rams number. It's yeah. kind of like a weird yeah. circus thing it's, going on right? there.
1: And that's the whole thing is like matchups, win fights, and and mm-hmm. it's no more true in that division uh, than anywhere. So it's no less true in that division than anywhere. So um should be exciting. And I got to say, like, the whole playoffs is as wide open as I can remember. So
0: And with the new format, obviously, it's going to be even more crucial for somebody to get that first seed in the NFC or AFC oh. And uh, one more extra team to slide in. I guess that's going to make six wildcard games instead of four, which is kind of weird. Well, but.
1: I think it's the best weekend in sports. And I love yeah. wildcard weekend. I will say this. You look at the AFC right now, um, and I've said this before, Was I think Kansas City needs to buy more than Pittsburgh. And I think that's because they are so variable. And Pittsburgh, as unspectacular as they are, look at what Kansas City did last year in the playoffs. They, they're down three scores to Houston off the bottom. Yeah. Um, so maybe they don't even need to buy because maybe they're sleepwalkers, but then the next week they're down 10 points to the Titans. You I'll take my chances with Pittsburgh winning three games over taking my chances with Kansas city winning four, because if you're going to sleepwalk kind of like they did last night, and I know it's a division game late in the season and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But when they, when they sleepwalk, they can lose, you know, and, and right. when, you, when you play four games uh, you're leaving that to chance a lot more. So It'll be really interesting to see the race there. I think New Orleans, is, is, if Drew comes back, might have this thing in the bag as far as the buy is concerned.
0: Yeah, I agree. And like they say, defense travels, right? And Pittsburgh's oh, yeah. got one hell of a defense, maybe the best defense in football. Like you mentioned earlier, it might be the Rams, might be the Steelers. I think it's those two and then kind of everyone else. But uh, Chris, man, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you kicking game for Rams Nation here. I uh, had a great time chopping it up with you. You guys can find Chris on Twitter at Joel91. That's J-O-E-L. The number yeah, nine yeah, and then N E. Like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're confusing all of us right now. Yeah. Um, and you can find his podcast at the Green Light with Chris Long. You can find that pretty much anywhere, I guess, where they have podcasts. Uh, Chris, my man, I appreciate your time, boss.
1: So thank you so much, man, and uh, appreciate the Rams fans out there. I know I had a incident in L. A., but that certainly wasn't personal when I jumped. <laughs> No,
0: no doubt, man. Real Rams fans, trust me, I, I'm in touch with them. Uh, everyone appreciates your tenure with the team. Trust me, you are recognized as one of the better players and definitely one of the most entertaining ones to play for this. I can
1: control the second one. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I appreciate
0: Bye. you, boss. Major shout-out to Chris Long for joining me, a former Rams player, a Rams legend, one of the best defensive ends to ever play for this team. Appreciate your time, my man. You are one of the all-time GOATs. Thank you for sharing some of your stories and your wisdom with Rams Nation. We really greatly appreciate your time and your knowledge. And guys, make sure to check back in with us on Wednesday. As I mentioned before, former host Brad Motter is going to join me. We're going to discuss the week 13 game between the Rams and the Cardinals, as well as the week 14 matchup between the Rams and the Patriots on Thursday night football. Just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.